400 AD, Augustine articulated the essence of what we believe and celebrate at Christmas. Augustine said it this way, Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on his journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. Man's maker was made man. And the way that happened is one of the most incredible aspects of what we Christians believe. Have you ever really thought about how incredibly strange the virgin birth is? I mean, Christianity does not just believe that God came to earth in the form of a man. Christians believe, according to the Bible, that God caused a teenage girl to conceive a baby and there was no human male involved in the process. Now, friends, you might have heard that all of your life, but that sounds absolutely bizarre bizarre and ridiculous to non-Christians, as ridiculous to them as something like Roman mythologism might sound to us. Do you know that the virgin birth is not unique to Christianity? It's present in pagan mythology from various ancient civilizations, including Rome. According to tradition, uh, Rome was founded by Romulus and Ramus, and they were twin brothers, sons of a human mother, and the god of war, Mars. It's not unique to Christianity. In fact, George Lucas included the virgin birth in the Star Wars saga. Did you know that that Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, was born of a virgin? The mother of Anakin Skywalker, who ends up being Darth Vader, said, quote, There was no father. I carried him. I gave birth. I raised him. I can't explain what happened. One of the theories is that Anakin's father is the Force itself. So many non-Christians think that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is just as ridiculous, just as fictitious as Star Wars. But friends, it's not fiction. It's not myth. And it's not insignificant. In fact, this morning, I would like to show you that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is one of the essential doctrines that we Christians confess. 
since shortly after Jesus rose and ascended back to heaven, Christians have confessed the Apostles' Creed. We believe in Jesus Christ, his holy Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Thousands of years, Christians have been confessing the virgin birth. Around 325 A.D., the Nicene Creed that we confessed this morning clarified the nature of Jesus Christ, stating these words. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, who, for us and for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Christians believe in the virgin birth and confess the virgin birth as one of our central essential doctrines because the scripture teaches the virgin birth. Not as fiction, but as fact. The Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah prophesied the virgin birth would happen with these words. The Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel means God with us. Come to the New Testament. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 1 records that an angel announced the virgin birth to Joseph, the man who was engaged to Mary. He said this, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel, talking to Mary, actually took time to go out of his way to explain the virgin birth to the mother. And I'm really glad that he did, not only for her sake, but for ours. Would you take your copy of God's Word and look at Luke chapter 1 with me just for a few moments? Luke chapter 1. We've already read this. Katie did with baby Christian. What a beautiful sight that was. I noticed that he really didn't read much. But in Luke chapter 1, I just want to pick up in verse 30 where the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary. Verse 30, the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary's natural question. Verse 34. How will this be since I'm a virgin? So the angel answers her. Verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And after hearing these things in verse 38, Mary responds, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Incredible. Not just incredible, but essential. The question I want to answer this morning in this very brief sermon, in the next few moments together, is why is the virgin birth essential to Christianity? Why? Why did God choose to do it this way? And I want to suggest that in his explanation to Mary, the angel Gabriel gave two reasons for the virgin birth. One of those reasons is widely understood. The other reason is often overlooked. Two reasons the virgin birth is absolutely essential to Christianity. Number one, because the virgin birth means Jesus is the Son of God. Look at it there again. Luke chapter 1 verse 35. Mary, here's how it's going to happen. I know this is blowing you away. So let me explain. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, what's the result? The child to be born will be called holy, what? The Son of God. This is no ordinary child. This is no ordinary birth. This is no ordinary conception. The miracle of the virgin birth means God became man. The miracle of the virgin birth was the means by which God became man. And that's absolutely essential for our salvation, friends. Because only God can save man. We cannot save ourselves. Only God can save man. Friends, listen. When two humans get together, they produce another human. But Gabriel explained that Jesus would be conceived, look at it again, by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God. And so in Mary's womb, the Spirit of God conceived the Son of God. The result is a human that is also God. That's no ordinary birth. That's no ordinary child. The virgin birth is the means by which God became man. Augustine explained this so well. 
Augustine around 400 AD. We've already quoted him this morning, but he says, So, my brothers, we believe that Christ Jesus is at once the same time both God and man. God, consubstantial with the Father, and man fashioned by his mother. God by his very nature, and man by dawning flesh. God before all ages, and man within time. God before the beginning of things, and man in the course of things. He, who in the beginning created all things by his omnipotence, has come in order to save us by his flesh. Creation was the first miracle of his omnipotence. Redemption was the second prodigy of his love. God descended to make us ascend. God tilted the heavens to elevate the earth. God partook of human nature to have us partake of his divine nature. For as Paul writes... God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The miracle of the virgin birth was the means by which God became Man, And that is absolutely essential to the gospel. That's widely understood, but that's not the extent of the answer. Look again at Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Gabriel explains two reasons for the virgin birth. Look again, verse 35. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called, what's the next word? Holy. The child to be born will be called holy. The Son of God. The virgin birth not only means that Jesus is the Son of God, but the virgin birth means that Jesus is holy. That cannot be said of any other baby ever born on earth. Why is it absolutely essential that the Savior be holy? Friends, it's because God is holy. And for us to dwell in the presence of God, we must be holy. But we're not. Are we? None of us are. When God created the world, he created Adam and Eve and everything in it as holy, perfectly holy. 
And God gave his holy law to maintain holiness so that God and man could dwell together. Imagine that. Dwelling in the very presence of God in the Garden of Eden. I don't know how long that lasted, but I assume not very long. Because the Bible teaches us, just as the T. Pennies read this morning from Genesis chapter 3, that the first Adam sinned against God, which caused him to fall from his holy state. Adam was no longer holy. And what immediately happened in Genesis chapter 3? We will note that the consequences are disastrous. Immediately, Adam and Eve were separated from God. They were thrown out of the garden, separated from God. And they, they and all of creation was under the curse of death. Sin, separation, death. Since that time, every son of Adam and daughter of Eve has been born outside the garden as a sinner by birth, separated from God by birth, under the curse of death by birth. And to redeem the sons of Adam, God sent his son as the second Adam, who had to start out the same way the first Adam started out. And that was, what's the word? Holy. Jesus is not only the son of God, but he is Holy and the virgin birth ensures that because when two humans get together, they produce another human. What happens when two sinners get together? They produce another sinner. So God bypasses the process. The Holy Spirit of God causes Virgin Mary to conceive and give birth to God's son who is both human and divine, but he's different than every other human. He is holy. What did Jesus do with his holiness? Everything that our first Adam didn't do. Jesus obeyed God's law. Jesus loved God with all of his heart. Jesus lived a holy life and then laid down his holy life as a substitutionary sacrifice for sinners like me and you. Jesus is the Lamb of God, perfect and without blemish who became a substitute in our place, took the penalty of death that we deserve. He was separated from God so that we could be reconciled to God. Here's how 1 Peter chapter 3 describes it. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring us to God. And now, 
the holy Jesus makes sinners holy by grace through faith. There's not a single person in this room who was born holy. We may have been born cute. We may have been born ugly. But none of us were born holy. We're sinners by birth. But friends, we can be holy by new birth, by faith, through grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Holy One, the Son of God. Paul said it this way. As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, so that as sin reigns in death, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that sinners are made holy and reconciled to God by grace through faith in Jesus, the holy Son of God. So my question is, Do you believe that? Really? If you do, three things will be true about you. Number one, you will come to Jesus, the Holy Son of God, because you know that by your own unholiness you've been separated from God under the curse of death. And he is your only hope to be saved from sin and brought back into peace with God again. If you really believe this, you will come to Jesus by faith. But that's not all, friends. Many of you say, you know, I've believed that and I came to Jesus a long time ago. But number two... If you really believe in the virgin birth, the Holy Son of God, then you as a Christian will rest in the truth that the Holy One has made you holy. Christian, you might believe, you may have come, but do you rest in the Holy One? If you really believe this, you're not going to live in the performance trap, constantly exhausted and fearful because you think your relationship with God depends on your ability to please him. The gospel frees you to rest knowing that you're united with the Holy One and your holiness is secure because it's in him, not in you. 
So if you really believe this, you will come to Jesus, you will rest in Jesus, and then I suggest that those who really believe in the virgin birth will also live a life marked by holiness because you have been made holy by the Holy One. It doesn't just stop with what we believe cognitively or what we embrace with our faith. It works out of our life into a holy life. Because Jesus lived holy, we live holy lives. And Christians, holiness is no longer a a to-do list of, of rules to keep. It's a lifestyle that flows out of who you are in worship for who he is. Your holiness becomes a source of joy for your family, for yourself. Your holiness ends up being a witness of the transforming power of the gospel to all the non-Christians around you. Incredible. Essential. May the incredible and essential doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ result in each one of us being made holy, resting in his holiness, and living holy lives for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you this morning for the gift that is your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we we praise you this morning because you are the Holy One, the second Adam who has come to make us sons of God again. And we pray that the truth of your holiness will cause us to come to you, to rest in you, and to live because of you. Virgin-born son, we praise you that you not only came in your first advent, but you're coming again. In your first advent, you made a new humanity. And when you come again, you will make a new heaven and a new earth. And all things will be restored to the way it's supposed to be. We Praise you for that joy. In Jesus' name, amen.